Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. So excited for today's show. This is our second episode in the series with Tim McCone. Tim works in sports media here in Boston. He covers uh, all of the New England sports teams and is a very popular radio host and also does some TV work here in the Boston region. He's also someone who played basketball for me back at Roger Williams University, what feels like a lifetime ago, and I actually coach him. Now, uh, as, as, as a runner, so part of my running duties with McCurdy Trained. So this is our second episode in the series. He's getting ready for the Chicago Marathon, and we're doing a whole series on his buildup for the race. And I couldn't wait to talk to him about how his running is going, and I'm sure that you're going to like this conversation as well before we get into it. Speaking about races, speaking about fall marathons, let's talk about the VCU Health Richmond Marathon. It returns in person to downtown Richmond, Virginia on Saturday, November 13th. Not only that, we got the CarMax Richmond Half Marathon and the Allianz Partners 8K, which is roughly five miles as well. I was there last year for all of these races. I actually ran the CarMax Half Marathon, and it was absolutely fantastic. You get that really nice middle ground feel of like a local race feel, but tons of crowd support and tons of on-course support as well. The course is mostly flat with some rolling hills, which makes it really nice, and it travels through really scenic sections of Richmond. It's great for first-timers and features a nice downhill finish right to the waterfront. I can tell you I really took advantage of that coming into the final point one of my 13.1 half marathon. Your safety and the safety of the community are their top priorities, and I'll tell you what, this course is absolutely amazing. It's no wonder it's called America's Friendliest Marathon. It's absolutely fantastic. In addition to that, you can save $10 on your race entry by going to richmondmarathon.org and using code RAMBLINGRUNNER at checkout. That's richmondmarathon.org and use code RAMBLINGRUNNER at checkout to save $10 on your entry today. Now, let's get into it with Tim McCone. All right, we are back with Tim McCone, Road to the Chicago Marathon. Tim, how you doing, my man? I know. I guess this means that my uh, my training isn't totally off the rails, the fact that I'm back here. So, no, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It would make for an interesting conversation if your <laughs> training was off the rails. That would be interesting <laughs> that's, audio. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. So, we should say people should go back and listen to the first episode as well that we did with Tim about a month ago, which was a lot of fun, kind of talking about Tim's running background. And as he's getting ready for Chicago, we talked about the Chicago Marathon last year that he ran. And let's hit it up because it's been about a month. You're knee deep in marathon training. And as people who heard the first episode, as someone who works in sports media here in Boston, this is a really busy time for you with the Patriots ramping up. We're just two short weeks away, I think, from the first game, uh, roughly speaking. So this is a lot on your plate right now. So just general thoughts before we get into specifics. How are you feeling? Honestly, the, the last couple of weeks have felt really good. Uh, I've been really excited. I was nervous there probably a couple of weeks ago. I think we talked uh, previously, um, you know, just in, in some of our coaching sessions, just about 
man, the heat's a killer. And we talked about it in the first episode, too. And there was a stretch here in New England where it was like two and a half weeks of just constant what felt like just getting hammered by the heat. And so uh, confidence level wasn't exactly high at that point. But over the last couple of weeks, really have strung together some uh, some some good workouts up over 50 miles uh, the last couple of weeks in terms of of what we're doing weekly, which I feel really good about and, and have been uh, nailing some of these splits recently, too. So I, I feel good overall for sure. That's great. So how about you feeling? How are you feeling like from a recovery standpoint, from an energy perspective, bouncing back from some of your workouts and long runs? Um, I should we should I should tell the people what you've been up to um, as we dive into this, because the specifics matter. Right. So let's see here. I'm going back into your I just uploaded some of your long runs, um, the rest of your long runs leading in Chicago into your calendar. We use VDOT uh, with McCurdy Train. That's a coaching service that I work for. And we use VDOT as the main calculator and communication app for a lot of this stuff. So let's see here. Yesterday we did three by eight minutes at roughly 7.05 pace with a couple-minute jog in between. Uh, before that, last week, we did 16 miles, and then the workout of that week, we did two-by-two-mile at half-marathon effort, roughly 7.30 pace. Before that, we had a 16-miler and, um, and a hill workout as well. So going back a couple weeks here, um, we had just basically an issue where well, – talk to me about a couple weeks ago when you weren't able to get the long run in – uh, on the on August thirteenth, I'm not shaming anybody here, but this is important because we're talking about uh, the the process. Um, so we had we had a 16 miler on the schedule. You got eight in. Um, talk to me about about what happened that weekend and and um, and what was going on in your life. Yeah, it was my uh, my girlfriend's sister's wedding. Uh, so it was a uh, a wedding day at that point. Tried to sneak away and and, and did the best I could. Got got a little shame there, but we got at least eight miles in. Uh, that weekend, which was uh, for that long run, which was nice uh, as well. So tried to knock out as many miles as I could before I got uh, completely yelled at. Uh, but yeah, so we, we were able to sneak that in and then uh, overall uh, have been feeling good. Like I said, there was a stretch there when it was really hot and we were starting to string together some of those long runs. And even at like 13 miles, I was just, I was getting absolutely gassed, which was a little frustrating as well because, you know, during this training session, I've really tried to uh, lean into the easy runs actually being easy. You know, we talked last episode a lot about how last year leading up to Chicago, uh, even my easy runs, I was running really, you know, uh, at, at or close to what marathon pace ultimately was going to be. Um, and so taking it slow and then still not seeing the results on the easy runs were, were a little frustrating early on there. Uh, but again, a lot of that was, was heat, uh, some nutrition, uh, issues, I think as well and getting ready. I, Nobody hates goos more than me. I know you have to do them, but I just, it's so tough. So, so transitioning to start to use some of those on these longer runs uh, as well, just getting comfortable to use, in, in using those uh, again, too. So, uh, overall, it's been good. Uh, but yeah, that was the deal with that that weekend. It was a uh, it was a wedding that was a, uh, a a must a must attend for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we all have those. There's, there's no question about it. We all have those. And this is a great example, um, not just for you, but the, we're doing this for everyone out there, so they can all kind of improve on their journeys. Just from an athlete, uh, coach communication perspective, right? Because everyone has stuff. Right. Everyone has stuff and kind of the older you get, the more responsibilities you get. And that's just kind of part of the deal. There's no question about it. So like that's a great example of like when you have days like that, that are kind of like, you know, in advance, like, all right, this is a, this is going to be a day that's going to be tricky for me or I'm not going to be able to make it. Like we went to this example, you know, I'm I'm doing my own marathon training. Right. So you know, about a month ago we went down to Disney. 
went to Disney and Universal Studios. Like I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of training done, right? So you yeah. just, just pop it on the calendar. So next time you have something like that, just be like, hey, going to my sister's wedding, my sister-in-law's wedding or whatever. Like I'm not sure how many miles I'm going to get in that day. That's totally fine. What we'll do is we can just coordinate the week differently to make sure that we get the days in there that we need to get and that maybe the day that gets sacrificed is maybe it's just like a, a normal easy run day. Obviously, those are important days too, but we want to make sure that we kind of like have like the hierarchy of needs, right? So we want to make sure that like the, the hierarchy needs we hit the most, the, the most important things we cover first, right? So the first, when we're talking about marathon training, the most important thing is mileage, Okay, so, um, you know, it's not the only thing, but it is the most important thing, especially with someone with your background. So want to make sure that we get the mileage in first. Right. Then secondly, making sure we get in a lot of that, like, you know, kind of like strong aerobic work. Right. So the marathon paced efforts, the half marathon paced efforts, touching in on the threshold pace to really dial, help us dial in that marathon effort and what that feels like and try to make that as comfortable as possible uh, at certain paces. And then the speed stuff kind of, again, is important. But as we get closer to race day, it becomes less and less important, especially if we're talking about kind of like speed at one minute or 90 second intervals uh, type things. Uh, we're still going to want to get the strength from hills because that's important, even though Chicago is not that hilly of a course. It does help with just general strength uh, and fitness. But um Making sure that we hit those hierarchy needs is important. Sometimes that means making sure that when we juggle the schedule, that we're making sure that we keep in the big days and maybe swap out some of the less important days. Yeah, absolutely. I will say this too. It's it's interesting. Last year, uh, in terms of, of some of the runs, and usually it's Wednesday that that kind of falls on kind of hitting either marathon pace or you know some of the faster runs as well. But just with the easy runs this year, not necessarily being as fast as what they were last year for me, which ultimately is a good thing. Just from a psychological standpoint, though, it is really nice to to, to know that you can kind of still hit that because uh, I'll be honest, you come, you finish some of these easy runs and yeah, I logged eight miles, I logged nine miles, that's fine. But at easy pace, it is what it is. To know that I can still kind of get there, it, at least, uh, I don't know, from a psychological standpoint, that certainly, that that feels good. So I, I do love those workouts on, it's been falling on Wednesdays for us recently. So that's been good. And then, yeah, the long runs, you're absolutely right. Need to, uh, need to make sure that uh, we kind of coordinate those moving forward as well. Yeah. So tell me about how those Wednesday workouts have gone in terms of being fresh for those days, because obviously you have the busy work schedule that you have, but hopefully by going a little bit easier on some of these easier runs leading into those days, hopefully you're a little bit more fresh and recovered than you were last year. It makes an unbelievable difference. It's it's crazy how big of a difference it makes versus last year. Like I was going into those workouts like already gassed by the time I was doing it. And so to hit some of those splits like on the nose and stuff like that was a lot more challenging. And this year, uh, I can uh, it, it hasn't been an issue at all in terms of hitting the splits. Uh, the one thing I ran into last, uh, yesterday was I was going to try to jump on the track. Uh, I forgot you know, D3 sports have started up again. So, so the, there was a soccer <laughs> game at my track. I was not happy, uh, not happy about that. So I had to find uh, an alternate route. So, so I found a nice straightaway that I could knock out some of the stuff with, which was, uh, which was fun. So, uh, a little change in plans mid run yesterday, but that's really been the only issue. And it's, it's crazy just how much more fresh you feel going into those runs when you actually run, you know, your easy runs at an easy pace. I know that's not exactly rocket science, but for a beginning runner, it, 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 it was challenging last year. There's no question about it. And this year there's a, there's a monster difference. Right. Absolutely. And especially when you get that feeling of like, it's easy to attach some level of like improvement to those runs, right? Of like, oh, look how fast I'm running my easy runs now. I'm down to like 805 pace, right? And it's easy to kind of think of that as as progress. And 
Sometimes it is, but oftentimes it just means that you're just running faster on easy runs because you can, as opposed to holding back. It's almost becomes this like, it basically becomes like a false metric in a way, right? You know, like it's not, it's not actually you're getting, it's not like you're actually becoming fitter or proof that you're fitter. It's just proof that you're, it just, it's a different circumstance, right? It's like if you have, like, you cover sports for a living and you played college basketball. Um, so you know this. It's kind of like, hey, this year I'm shooting four, you know, I'm, I'm shooting 38% from three instead of 32% from three. But it's like, well, this year you also have like three superstars on your team and your shots are wide open. Right. I don't think you're a better <laughs> shooter. I just think you're getting much easier shots. And it's, no, it's like, yeah, it's a perfect comparison. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, it's true. And, but it was also that feeling when, you know, I would finish those runs and I would feel kind of gassed. So you're like, all right, well, I did the work and now I feel good and I did what I was supposed to do and I must be improving because I feel tired. And that really is, like you said, it's really not the case. And, and you can tell the difference definitely on some of those Wednesdays. So, like I said, hitting those splits has not been uh, as challenging. I just don't feel as gassed going into those workouts. Instead, there's more kind of excitement and, uh, you know, kind of ready to go for them, which has uh, certainly been a difference than, than last year. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's look at the last two workouts. So the first one here we're going to look at is last Wednesday. That's August 17th. The workout was a two-mile warm-up, two-mile cool-down. In between, basically, this is the twos. We did two-mile warm-up, two-mile cool-down. We did two-by-two-mile at half-marathon effort with a one-mile jog in between. A lot of times we'll put this uh, inside of a, a long run. We've done this as a workout because um, we're kind of working on that aspect of your ability uh, of trying to, you know, because it's kind of like a condensed, a little bit of a condensed lead-up into Chicago. Um, but um, really wanted to focus there on the half-marathon effort as like a higher aerobic-level stimulus. Um, for us on VDOT, they kind of populate what that means for you based on what we think your overall fitness is, which I think is actually improved from what we had it originally. So we're going to touch on that in a second. So we had it at 7.30 pace or so for the half marathon effort. You went out, you went 7.34, 7.20, then you had a one mile jog in between, and then you went and did 7.17 and 728. So um, all of those reps, except for the first one, were kind of below that 730. Um, 720 obviously is right on it, but the 720 and the 717 are significantly faster uh, than half marathon effort, really closer to threshold effort, uh, if not a little faster than that. So talk to me about how that workout felt, especially near the end of each two-mile set. Yeah, that felt great. And, uh, you know, like I said, hitting that first split, I think, uh, I mean, I... I thought I had it at 7:30, so that was that was on me. That wasn't necessarily just not not hitting it, but um, and, and, and let, me, let me let me stop you right there for people who worry. Like there is there is no difference in like a couple seconds difference. There's just yeah. <laughs> right. Like I know pros who their coaches will give them a three to five second plus or minus for like some of their reps, like positive and negative, because ultimately there isn't much of a difference in terms of the stimulus. And if you're on rolling terrain, like the 734 might be faster than the 728 in terms of effort level, because you might be having more uphill than downhill if you're just running on the roads. And then those last two splits, again, it's 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 weird. It's more of a psychological thing. And, and you know, again, I, I talked about it a little earlier, but we had a stretch uh, up here in New England where it was just blazing hot for two weeks and um, trying to get some of those runs in was a challenge. And so you go into a workout like that. And, and for me, I was like, I really don't know where I'm going to be at in terms of these splits. And then you see those last two after that mile jog recovery. Uh, I felt great. And I was like, oh, I have this. No, there's no no question about it. So you kind of go into that workout with a little bit of doubt. Like, am I actually going to be able to hit these splits? And then 
by by that mile jog, I was like, yeah, there's no issue here at all. I'll be able to crush this. And so that that felt good. And like I said, just from a confidence standpoint, um, some of these workouts, being able to hit those splits makes all the difference in the world. It really does. Yeah. And you nailed it right there with the idea of talking about the the jogging recovery. And oftentimes when thinking about workout construction and then later workout analysis, looking out, looking at how people approach the jogging recovery tells you a lot about not only how they're feeling, but also their confidence level, right? So you did your mile recovery between each two mile set. Again, that's, and that's a lot of recovery. We're talking about roughly eight minutes. Um, you know, we're not, we're, we're trying to like really, really bust it super hard in this workout. It's just more of that kind of like, if there's three zones, one, two, and three, with three being really, you know, going three to, you know, one to three minute um, type intervals and zone one being easy pace, recovery pace. This is a strong zone two type effort. But the fact that you ran your recovery mile at eight, eight at eight fifteen pace, which is right on the money for your easy runs, if not a little bit quicker than you normally do your easy pace, really shows that you were feeling really good and feeling really confident. They're like, hey, I can run this pace in recovery and I know I'm just still going to be able to handle this effort. No problem coming out of it. Uh, I'll also say this, what it helps too. We had a great stretch. I think it was like 60 degrees that night when I did that workout, yes. which makes, uh, yes, I, man, was. I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I want. I'm over the 90 degrees. I, that felt great. I was like, I could do this all day. No problem. I got bad news for you. It's going to be 90 tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> people don't know tim and i live pretty close to each other so our weather whatever i have for weather he has and and the vice versa um i know this because i have to mow the lawn and uh, and do my long run and i'm not too excited about it. i call that the i call it the homeowner's double you know some people do like you know the double runs they'll do like you know 10 in the morning they do five in the afternoon some pro runners a lot of pro runners will do that for me this is the homeowner double of the of the long run keep the workout gear on don't shower. Yeah. Just yeah, go right to yet. the shed and get the lawnmower. Yeah. So you're not like taking a shower in between. Calling it the homeowner's double. Um, chafing is an issue. You really got to really gotta get the anti-chafe going before that. All right. So this is a great sign that that half marathon effort was really no problem. You got a solid four miles to half marathon effort on that day. That was last Wednesday. Let's look at yesterday, which was a really interesting workout for you. So we did basically three by eight minutes with a three-minute jogging recovery in between at critical velocity. For people who don't know, critical velocity is basically like 30-minute type effort, right? So threshold pace, how people usually describe it is if you were to race for an hour, that would be your threshold pace. Critical velocity is a little bit more ambiguous, but it's roughly around if you were to going to race for like 30 minutes, that would be your critical velocity speed. Um, for some people, that's just like if you're a pro, your critical velocity pace is like the same as like your 10K pace, right? So some people will view it that way. Like, like according to VDOT, critical velocity and 10K pace for you is only like a five second difference. Like your 10K effort, according to your current VDOT score, would be 709. Uh, we had critical velocity here at 704 pace. So we did a three minute warm, three mile warm up, I'm sorry, a two mile cool down again with three by eight minute at 704 pace with a three minute jogging recovery. Um, and you hit this right on the number and you did it on the roads. Like you said, you could do it on the track. And it was funny, like looking at your data, like it was pretty easy to see where there were intersections because there was yeah. always like a dip in the pace at like well, the exact same point yeah. on the road. You're like, there must be an intersection there. And I like, zoomed in, I'm like, yep, there, yeah, there is. It's right there. And, um, and then it looks like you, you handled the pacing really, really well, super consistent the whole way. I think the first rep was probably a little bit faster than some of the other reps, 
But ultimately, you did great. Your recovery jog between the first and second rep was hovering around like the nine minute pace, um, a little bit slower. The second one, maybe you had to like stop for a reason. Looks like like the the pace really kind of slowed down there. Yeah. So what what I didn't realize uh, that this was this was one of those workouts where everything that could have gone wrong uh, essentially went wrong. So like I said, I, I was I was <laughs> I like like most people, I have a bunch of different routes. So like if I have a six mile run, I have a seven mile run. So I knew exactly where I was going. I was trying to get to uh, a local college around here for a track to work on some of the speed stuff uh, when we got there. And then there was a soccer game going on, so couldn't go there. Then all right, I, I took an alternate route, and then where you see it, not only were there intersections where I had to stop, but they've decided to tear up some of the uh, sidewalks here as well. Uh, so I had to go a completely different direction it's and like stop tra- on that. It's like a trail course going on. Yeah, this is tra- not tra- tra- a trail workout. <laughs> This was not the workout I had planned, but I was I was happy we got through it for sure. Yeah, but we we, we ran into some obstacles last night. There's no question about that. Yeah. All right. So talk to me about how that pace felt because eight minutes at critical velocity, um, like we talked about last workout, two miles at two miles at half marathon pace isn't a killer. Okay, it's more of just like trying to get you know four miles to half marathon pace is a decent workout in total. That's great. We're right now we're really just working on building up your volume. That's the major thing here. So we don't want to crush you with a workout that kind of takes volume off the off the table a little bit. Um, uh, you know, we'll continue to add speed and and the, the toughness of the workouts as we go. But this was you know I think on paper a tougher workout than the previous Wednesday. How did it feel while you were doing it? Yeah, this one was a little tougher for sure, but overall, again, felt good, and it wasn't like this workload like wasn't manageable at all. And I think a lot of that goes back to again, just kind of managing those easy runs. I went in with really fresh legs, uh, ran it last night, uh, just based on my schedule over the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to be able to knock out some of the early morning runs, uh, so kind of waiting around for as long as I can before. Uh, so it hopefully gets a little cooler because again, it was hot yesterday. So uh, usually going out right around like six thirty, seven o'clock, and, and trying to knock these out, and so. Um, you know, it wasn't overly hot uh, last night, which was nice uh, for it. And uh, no, the the legs felt great. The legs felt fresh and, and the pacing overall was fine. It really wasn't an issue. Uh, like I said, ran into some stuff where uh, the sidewalk I anticipated being there, it turned out it wasn't there anymore. Uh, but but other than that, it was uh, it, it was a good workout. And like I said, the biggest thing for me was it, it, it didn't feel like that workload was, um, was too much or, or overwhelming by any stretch of the imagination. Perfect. That's that's a great spot to be because um, that, that's a good point that we want to bring up here is that for workouts, you know, we need to make sure we're testing ourselves. OK, You're, you know, it, sometimes people can get like a little too soft isn't the word, but this idea of like, hey, you know, it's all about consistency, you know, make sure you stay fresh and, you know, stuff like that. And, and, and all of that is true. But at the same time, when it's time to work hard, it's time to work hard. Right. That's just the way it goes, because that's ultimately how you're going to get more fit is by having some harder days, you know, intermixed with the easy days. And that's that's a key thing here. Um, But making sure that you're not going so hard that it's debilitating to the point where, like, you're super sore the next day. Right. So it's kind of like the converse of the easy runs. Part of the easy runs, why you want to keep it easy so that you're ready to run hard when it's when it's go time. The opposite side of that is you want to make sure that you're working really hard on your hard days, but not gassing yourself so much to the point where you can't run the next day because that kind of pervades – that basically has like the opposite problem of the easy run day where it's like, all right, like I'm not fresh going into my workout day. Now my workout is suffering. If you're working out so hard that you're squeezing it so tight that the next day you can't get in your eight miles or whatever's on the schedule, then that's not great either. So you kind of want to – I think the the best – 
The best term I heard for this, I think, is I think it might have been David or Megan Roche said it on the Somewhere Called Play podcast, and they're they're great coaches um, for sure. Is that I think David said that he likes to tell his athletes like live a little, leave a little cream for coffee, and a little leave a little <laughs> little little room for cream in your coffee. Okay, so you know you're you're filling it up, but you're leaving a little bit right there. And I think another way of looking at this is you see with weightlifters, right? Like they're working hard. You know, say say someone's trying to improve their max bench. The idea isn't to like hit your max every workout, right? Or even to like go to failure. You see a lot of the people who, you know, who bench for a living and work on that part, like they'll pick something at like 85, 90% of their max or, you know, maybe closer to like 75% of their max. And maybe they can do, maybe they can rep out three reps at eight and eight would be to failure. Instead of doing three by eight, they're going to do like five by four. So they're not going to failure, but they're getting more reps in at that weight. And that way it continues to build and build and build. And you're getting the kind of stimulus you need, but also not completely wrecking yourself. So that's kind of the idea of, you know, is kind of threading the needle between I'm here to work hard, but not working it so hard that you can't run the next day or that you're super sore the next day and things like that, because that's going to hurt your consistency, which will ultimately backfire in the training long term. Um, and, you know, if you work up to that like 95, 97 percent persp- level, you're getting the stimulus you need. Right. You're getting the stimulus that you need in order to continue to gain fitness and adapt. So you're going to be just fine. So um, hearing how you described it, I think, is a great, great sign. Um, also shows that maybe critical velocity where we have it right now, I think VDOT has it at 704. Maybe you're a little more fit than that. So that's something to, to keep in mind. I think as we throw in some marathon paced work uh, in some of your upcoming long runs, I think it's going to be the ultimate identifier um, as we go forward. So Talk to me about how you're feeling on the long runs. I think what you had, you had 16 on the schedule last week, and I think you did 14. Um, how did, and we have 17 on the schedule for this weekend um, with, you know, and so that's going to be the, the longest long run in a while for you. So talk, talk to me about how you felt uh, last week on the 14. Yeah, so the the fourteen was pretty terrible. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Uh, no, it didn't. It didn't feel good. Uh, there were definitely a lot of factors uh, in terms of that. I, uh, uh, like you mentioned too, I'm uh, in sports media, so uh, I did Patriots post game that Friday night, uh, which was uh, one thirty, and then I had to do the morning show that day. So only slept for a couple hours, and then wound up doing radio that day afterwards until about three, and jumped on. I think we started at like four thirty, five o'clock. But there was not a lot of sleep uh, in terms of, of that. And, and nutritionally, uh, I tried my best throughout the day, but um, it, it just was not, it was not, I was not necessarily set up for success for, for that long run. And that's, that's more on me than, than anything else. Uh, so, so it didn't feel great uh, during that run. Was happy to just kind of get through it, to be honest with you, and, and log some of those miles. But that was not, uh, not my best effort. There's no question about that. Yeah. So you had, let's see here. Yeah. The last four miles were, Averaging around 10.30 pace, 10.25 pace, which is about two minutes per mile slower than you normally run at easy pace. So, um, again, I think ultimately this run is a win. That's how I'm categorizing this run because you had a ton on your plate. You didn't sleep a lot. The nutrition was tough. And I think the the key thing here, uh, obviously you didn't do the full 16. You did 14. But ultimately you got a, a, a huge 
you know, run in, you got 14 miles, you're on, you're out there for two hours and 20 minutes. And I think that's a big deal. Not only that, we should say you had 829 feet of elevation gain. So you picked a pretty hilly route. You live in, you know, if you're running in Newton, they're all, they're all going to be hilly routes, but, um, people know the Newton Hills from Boston Marathon and it's just the way it is over there. Uh, so you're, you, you had a hilly, hilly route, you know, 829 feet of elevation gain, to put that in perspective, that's more than you're going to see the Chicago Marathon, which is twice as long as you ran that day. So um, that's also a factor here. But the fact that you got out there, you did it, I think is an enormous win. I think it's going to mean a lot moving forward because it just shows, it shows you, hey, I may feel like junk, but I can keep going. And ultimately, there's going to be race days where that's the case where you're going to feel like junk and you have to keep going. And this is one of the tenets of endurance activity is understanding that there can, that we can go farther than we think we can. And there can be sometimes a cyclical nature to how we're feeling that you can get out of things, right? That, that the deterioration process, while it may feel linear in its path towards you know, destruction or how it feels in the moment, <laughs> isn't, it just isn't linear. Cause a lot of it, it, it feels 100% physical when, when things are not going well. The fact of the matter is it isn't. It isn't 100% physical. And all you have to do is read one ultramarathoner's memoir to understand this. Because in every ultramarathon race, every ultramarathoner has these stories of like, oh, it feels awful. And oh, they come back. And it isn't purely the physical reasons of like, oh, I had some, I had some goose and some tailwind and now I feel better. I'll, it, it's, you know, sometimes it's just the whole idea of mind over matter. And, you know, look at any, you know this, you've played sports your whole life. Like the best way to make a runner feel good is to throw a finish line in front of them. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, you know, the seas part and they're sprinting <laughs> to the finish line. Despite the fact a minute earlier, they're like, I can't go another step. Well, yes, you can. You just you just ran 200 meters in 40 seconds. So, yeah, you can go another step. In fact, you can you can turn on the jets. So I think this is a this was a learning experience run. that You can say, all right, I can do hard things. It can be tough and I can get through it. And that's important because in the coming weeks, it's game time with the long runs. So we got 17 on tap today. I'm just going to go through them for everybody. We got 17 uh, today. For this weekend, you got 17 on tap. Next weekend, we're doing 18 with two by three miles at marathon pace with a one-mile jog in between. Um, marathon pace right now, again, this is just an estimate. So we're doing marathon pace. Basically, it's marathon effort. VDOT doesn't give you that option. You have to put a pace in. Um, remember, we're doing marathon effort, which... Obviously, if you're on hills, that's different than feeling on flats. We'll talk about this in a second, what that means. So that is next week. And then after that, we'll do 20 at easy. Then we're doing um, 18 again, three by three mile at marathon effort. And then we're doing 20 again with that being easy to moderate. Okay, so let's talk about what marathon effort means. Okay, because it's not simply a pace. Okay, marathon effort is... Like there's a lot of ways to describe it. I think if you're doing going on an easy run, it would be a way of thinking about it is just fun pace, right? If I said, hey, go for an easy run. I don't want you to worry about staying in your easy zone. I just want you to go have fun, no breaks, right? Tap the gas occasionally, but no breaks. I think ultimately, if someone did that, it would be pretty close to what their marathon effort is going to be, okay? Another way to think about it is easy plus, okay? 
So thinking about it in terms of that, that's pretty close to marathon effort. Again, the thinking is, okay, you're not running easy, but it's not threshold pace either. So, right, so you're not going anaerobic, you're not breathing heavy, but again, the idea is no breaks kind of feel to it. Um, again, that's, and again, that's, these phrases mean different things to different people, right? So you just, you have to try to frame it in a certain way. But the idea is it's not easy pace, but it's not threshold pace either. It's it's that in-between zone where it's still an aerobic effort, but it's a high level aerobic effort, okay? And really getting to that point. Um, so I want you to think about it in terms of that kind of effort level, because I can give you a marathon pace, but the fact of the matter is we're still, you're still getting fitter. So that might not be your marathon pace. So I think it's important to kind of play with it a little bit and kind of see how you feel and just make sure you're not feeling like you're getting close to being anaerobic um, unless unless it's a pretty steep hill, right? Like, fact of the matter is, if it's a steep hill, it's hard not to breathe heavy unless you're going really, really easy. And that is not going to be the intent of the workout, okay? So we'll have some marathon effort in there. Again, two by three mile and another one, three by three mile. Uh, and then we're going to have the last 20 miler is easy to moderate. Okay. This is another way of saying roughly marathon pace for a portion of it. Okay. So moderate be meaning for some people, when they think of like their moderate pace, this, if you use the same three zone model that we talked about earlier of zone one is easy pace and recovery pace. Zone three at the top is doing like, you know, one to five minute intervals quickly, you know, pretty hard. And then that zone two, that in the middle area is that moderate feeling, right? Whether that's threshold pace or a little bit slower than threshold pace, you want to kind of, kind of get near that zone. So the same, that same idea is it's that fun pace. If you're running, running well, and um, you don't want to tap on the brakes at all. Uh, some people call this like the gray zone. They say, don't run in the gray zone. Don't run in the gray zone. You want to either be working easy or you want to be working hard. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that marathon pace is kind of in the gray zone. So if you're getting ready for a marathon, you kind of want to be in that zone on occasion. Okay. And I think this is also going to be indicative it's not a complete race predictor, but it's indicative of what your fitness is, right? If you're running at a moderate pace and you're like, hey, I can kind of hold this for like eight to 10 miles, really no problem, and say it's, you know, X, Y, Z pace, that's probably going to be fairly close to your marathon pace. Maybe it's a little slower, maybe it's a little faster, but it's going to be relatively close to it. Um, obviously, you're not tapered going into these workouts, so it's not a complete apples to apples comparison, but we're going to kind of kind of build up for the uh, build up to that. So really, there's going to be two more easy long runs where there's not any kind of up upping the pace, right? We got this coming weekend. We got the 17 miler, and then in two weeks, I'm sorry, in three weeks, so three long runs from now, we have your first 20 miler. I want you to think of both of those as purely aerobic, easy pace focusing on just covering the miles and really dialing in the nutrition. I know you're not a big fan of goose, um, but really dialing in that nutrition. And then the other ones, obviously nutrition is just as important in those runs, but also we're going to be working on um, doing long runs with some up-tempo segments to get you more fit and can, can you really get an idea of what your marathon pace effort looks like. No, I, I love that. And like you said too, I think a big part of it as well is, is just kind of, like you said, dialing in the nutrition and 
kind of taking it a couple of days out, realizing get getting good sleep and 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 eating well, heading into these, some of these long runs, unlike uh, a couple of weeks ago, which I'm uh, I'm expecting and uh, I'm looking forward to as well. But yeah, this is kind of the, the the time I get excited about too, because when you start to see some of those big runs uh, on the schedule, it's hard not to get uh, not to get excited about uh, what what you kind of have uh, have ahead of you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So and we'll 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 be bringing it. You know, the Chicago Marathon is going to be here soon. Remember. As your schedule changes, just just update me, all right? Because yeah. if we need to move these, that's totally fine. Okay, the most important thing is that we get these runs in. The least important thing is what day of the week it, do- it happens. I honestly do not care. I'm fully agnostic on this, all right? I have some runners that I work with. I'm thinking about Hillary Geipel, who is, she's a beast. And she's won the last five, eight 5Ks she's entered. She's just crushing it. But every week, her schedule's different. You know, she thinks she's she's works in a veterinary hospital, so her schedule is all over the place. So every week she's like, okay, I think the long run has to be in Tuesday. I think the workout can either be Friday or Saturday, but the next week it might be completely different. So that's that's normal. Okay. Rare is the person who's like, this is always my situation. Like I'm different, right? I work for myself, which is another way of saying I have a really bad boss. <laughs> and I can kind of get out there whenever I need to. However, other people like you are very different. And that is the preponderance of runners out there. Okay, so don't feel like you can't tell me that or that like this shows like a lack of toughness or or stuff like that. Like it just doesn't, right? This is not the biggest part of your life, but it's a significant part of your life, which means it's not the first thing we want to do, but we want to make sure we get it in at the same time. Yeah, for sure. No, No question about it. All right, let's talk about shoes. We talked about shoes, you and I, about 10 days ago, offline. Um, so anyone who's listening to this podcast knows she, I love, I'm a shoe geek. I always have been going back to when I was 10 years old, getting the East Bay magazines at home and highlighting every shoe I liked and memorizing every single stat, even the baseball spikes. I was, rem- I was memorizing the stats. So I could talk shoes all day. Um, so tell me where you are with just your, your shoe choices for workouts and marathon and long runs and stuff like that. Yeah, so so right now uh, I'm running in Brooks and just uh, for every day it's it's fine. There's no doubt, but I, I touched base with you because I wanted to know in terms of just a, a shoe that I want to run uh, for the marathon with what what I should go with, and then also, you know, how often should I use that shoe leading up to the marathon? Should I use it leading up to the marathon? How many miles should be kind of under my belt in terms of using those shoes? And that's kind of where 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 we left off in terms of uh, just kind of some advice uh, in in terms of that 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 type of stuff. Right. So which which Brooks are you running in? Yeah, so these are the uh, Adrenaline uh, GTS 22s, I guess. All right. So we got a high-sec running shoe, which has some support elements on, in it, especially on the medial side. That's what the Adrenaline is known for. That's what GTS stands for, the, the, the guardrail system. Um, is that a shoe that you just you like the fit over? did you need support? Uh, no, I like the fit. Uh, I, I like the fit with those. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what I went with, yeah. Okay. And from your foot strike perspective – and you know you you can you tell this just by looking at like how shoes wear out. Are you more of a midfoot striker, forefoot striker, or heel striker? Uh, midfoot, yeah, midfoot. Okay, all right. So I know we talked about a couple different options because uh, we've already had this conversation before. But letting people know, <laughs> yeah, some of the things that we talked about. I know we talked about uh, some potential different shoes. I know we talked about New Balance RC Elite too because you haven't bought carbon carbon plated shoes before so i think important thing here is getting shoes that are going to work from a comfort perspective because we're wearing them for the marathon and from an accessibility perspective this is kind of a newer thing for you so you want to make sure that it's not going to you know completely jar you know be a completely jarring experience i know we talked about the new balance rc elite too i'm a huge fan 
of the new Saucony Endorphin Pro 3. And there's some other options as well. Were there certain shoes that you either picked up or you're interested in? Uh, no, I, I think the the, the Vaporflies are, are something we talked about as well in terms mm-hmm. of uh, something that might be a good fit. And so I was looking into those a little bit and then I uh, was probably leaning towards those. Okay. Uh, over the other ones right now, uh, but that's kind of where that's kind of where we left off. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the vapor flies are super explosive. I wore them in my workout this week, actually. Um, yeah, they're great. I think the I think with the vapor flies, first of all, what you get is they're at Dick Sporting Goods, so you can, and they're at some other running stores too. It's like some of these shoes you just can't try on. You just have to order them and kind of hope for the best. Uh, vapor flies, you can go try them on at a lot of stores. That's a huge positive for sure. So you can get a good feeling for them. Um, they're extremely explosive. No question about it. I think they work well for midfoot strikers. Uh, they have a really thin, narrow heel. So I think for heel strikers, it might actually be more potentially tricky than midfoot strikers. Um, but you'll see, you'll notice that the construction is a little bit different. So if they're one of those kinds of shoes that you're always aware they're on your feet, okay? They don't just kind of disappear, but they are so high quality that it's worth the trade-off. I think the the big thing is going to be lockdown with those shoes because of all the carbon-plated shoes that I have, I think I have eight or nine pairs of different kinds of shoes and brands and stuff like that. So I've tried them out and tried to help my athletes with, with different choices. I have found that the heel lock is finicky. So it might be, so it's, it ne- it's never a perfect heel lock, right? Like the New Balance RC Elite 2 is a great example of this. Like it locks down really, really well for a lot of people. Okay. Part of that too is that it's just a more flexible shoe. So it's easier for it to lock down. Kind of the stiffer the plate, the more torque it puts on the heel. So it's easier for the heel to lift. Um, with that said, the Vaporfly doesn't have the best heel lock. So it's important when and if you try it on to really get a sense, make sure you're jogging around the store, land how you would normally land and really get a sense of like, okay, is this, is this too much oscillation in my heel or is it going to be just fine? I have noticed that my heel does move up and down in a little bit but not so much that it's going to stop me from wearing it. So uh, it's not my favorite carbon-plated racer. It is for a lot of people, um, and it's super efficient and explosive. So I think that that could certainly be a really good choice. And if you can try it on ahead of time, shoot, even better. Um, If it doesn't work for you, I do think the New Balance RC Elite 2 and the Saucony Pro 3 are both excellent, and I don't know many people who they wouldn't work for. Maybe it's not the the top-of-the-line most explosive shoe. I think they're excellent, and I think especially for – marathoners who are running over the three hour mark they're also very comfortable which is important um so kind of keep that in mind in terms of running in them first of all you you want to make sure that they're a good fit and you want to break them in a little bit um but i also think it's just important to your body to know how it feels to run in these shoes because they are different so i would say this if you you know when no matter what shoe you get you want to do at least do two long runs in them and at least one workout in them Okay, so that's going to be roughly 50 miles Yeah, in the okay. shoe. Okay, um, I think that will put you in a really good spot and it will you'll, you'll know for sure that you're, whether or not you're going to be able to run in the shoe and it will help you break in the shoe a little bit, but it's not so much that it's going to like take any, any like the lightning out of the shoe either. Awesome, awesome. But you're definitely going to want to get the shoe at this point sooner rather than later. Um, not because... I mean, if it works for you, then you have plenty of time. The question is, if it doesn't work for you, you don't want to leave yourself no time to find the next shoe. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so we'll 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 get on that, and then hopefully uh, 
taking on a couple long runs. And if it if it works out, then like you said, we're in a good spot moving forward. And if not, we'll uh, we'll adjust uh, we'll adjust from there. The other question I had about some of the long runs as well, like I mentioned, so uh, I have uh, a great for my long runs, uh, just kind of a four and a half mile loop uh, where I can just leave like my gels, water, everything that I need. The problem is they've decided to rip up the sidewalk like this is like I said perfect timing exactly like you know like a month and a half before Chicago I was like oh uh, awesome I appreciate this guys so some of my other long runs um, are fine like I have other routes but there's just no spot necessarily to drop either like gels or water like along those routes so I was wondering uh, where do you kind of stand when it comes to like even like wearing like a camelback on like a long run. And just because number one, I know that that's not something that's even going to be an option for Chicago. So is it something where you go against that because it's something that you're not necessarily going to have on long runs or is it fine to do those because at least you're hydrating and stuff like that uh, on some of these long runs? Yeah. I, first of all, I think there's a middle ground here. Um, you know, I think the four and a half mile loop is, is great. It's great for fueling. There's no question about that. Um, but you can also just do like, the eight or nine mile loop and just like circle back to your house. Yeah. You know, so just, you can just make your house as like, as the stopping point of like, even if you just have to be like going to the apartment, get my, you know, get, you can pick it up and head back out or it's in the, it's in the mailbox or something, you know, just stop your wash, get your stuff, you know, head out. Like that's not, that's not an issue. Okay. Um, I think you're going to want to have, you're going to need to have something from a carrier perspective for your gels for the race. Okay, so you need to make sure that you have that dialed in and making doing that on your long runs is going to be important because, first of all, you want to make sure that you can carry your gels appropriately and have enough room for them. Secondly, you need to make sure it doesn't chafe. So making sure that you have something, whether it's, you know, there's the, there's the, the flip belts, there's the SBI belts that work out well. In the past, what I've done is sometimes you see like the arm holders for the iPhones. Yeah. Right, like I use one, one marathon. Just stock I just like that. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't put my iPhone in. I put my gels in it. So like they weigh nothing. That thing didn't move at all. It was actually the most comfortable. Like having the phone in there is not the most comfortable thing. Having the gels in there was totally fine because it basically weighed nothing. Oh, that's so, a great idea. Yeah, so I that worked out that. for me. And I was able to slide it on and off and put it yeah. put it right back on. So like whether it's the belts or the armbands, you need to find a way to make sure that you can carry your gels appropriately on race day, and it's not a chafing issue, and it's not something that you're gonna have to worry about. Okay, from a fueling perspective, handhelds are great and planting a handheld is also really good, even if you're just planting in your car, right? So maybe you're just parking at like, you know, say say there's like, a, you know, bike paths near you or, or different like, you know, like there's there's plenty of four and a half mile loops around. You just might have to find a new one, right? There might be another neighborhood a mile away that they have a four and a half mile loop and you just ha- you park your car, you leave your stuff in your car, you circle back to the car, you take it out. Yeah. No, that's what uh, that's what we'll uh, that's what we'll plan on doing. I love that iPhone trick. And by you the look way. at I Newton, man. There's people doing long runs all the time. I, mean, I, I have no doubt you can I find know. a spot to do. Well, this. Uh, you mentioned the Newton Hills, by the way. Uh, all you have to do is go out and run there, and and you you know you could think you're a pretty good runner after hitting your splits. You go out there, and then you see these guys running like five minute miles, just moving like butter. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I still have a, I still have a long way to go. It's pretty humbling to get out there on those on those hills. There's no question about that. Yeah, Tim, you are a very good runner. Yeah, it's a good yeah. point. You're probably not gonna you're probably not gonna win any Strava segments <laughs> no. in your neighborhood. No. No, no, no question about that. No. 
All right, we're going to come back on here in a few weeks uh, as we prepare for Marathon. We might have one or two episodes before Marathon Day. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll definitely have one from a race strategy perspective. And we'll definitely do one after the race, obviously, as well. And we'll probably have another one uh, maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe post 20 miler as we get ready for some of the other ones and maybe talk a little bit more about Marathon Pace and any other questions. So, Tim, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it and happy running. Thanks. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always a pleasure to talk to one of my good friends, someone who I absolutely love coaching, and I know someone who is going to have a bright, bright future in running. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing a great job. So if you're interested in hiring a coach that can work with you like this, because I love working with all of my athletes, go over to McCurdyTrained.com. You'll see I think it's two dozen, almost three dozen coaches now work for McCurdy Trained, some of the best coaches in the sport working with some really really good runners. Okay. And I say that, I mean, people who are dedicated, who love it and really enjoy getting out there and doing their best for the long term. And that doesn't mean that they're super fast. And don't get me wrong. There are plenty of unbelievably fast runners who have coaches with McCurdy trained. There's no question about that. But there's also runners who are the other end of the spectrum, but who take it seriously, who view themselves and treat themselves as elite athletes. And that's what makes it so much fun to work with them. So go over to mccurdytrained.com today to go find a coach for yourself. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.